please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I imagine that Abraham had some picture of his future in mind. It seems he had a realistic view of what the possibilities were or were not. But God was way ahead of Abraham with a whole different picture of what was possible. God is always out ahead of us, calling us to move forward into the possibilities God can envision. To me, this is part of what it means to be in a covenant relationship with God. It means making the effort to see the possibilities God envisions. It means making the effort to join God where God is already at work before we arrive on the scene. We continue in this season of Lent. We continue exploring the theme of covenant. Covenant means many things, but most especially it means a sacred agreement. The central covenant for people of faith is the covenant where God makes a promise to us, which we heard so beautifully expressed in the anthem this morning. I will be your God, and you will be my people. A covenant is a sacred agreement. It is a promise. And there's a funny thing about promises. Almost by definition, a promise is something that is not yet manifest, that is not yet realized. A promise has a sense of future about it. It will be fulfilled, but hasn't yet been. This is certainly true of God's promise to Abraham when we encounter Abraham today. Last week I mentioned two of the great covenants of our Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament. The most central covenant, God's promise to be our God and embrace us as God's people. And the covenant between God and Noah, God's promise not to destroy the living creatures of the earth. This week we visit another great covenant of the Hebrew scriptures the covenant between God and Abraham. Abram's life journey has already followed quite a number of twists and turns, quite a winding road, and his life's path continues to twist and turn after we encounter him today. Abraham often acts unethically in our scriptures. He lied. He mistreated his first son and his son's mother. Abraham's significant character flaws show us yet again that God works with anyone, no matter their shortcomings. God can use anyone, including us. The scripture tells us that when Abram was 99 years old, God appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you. This is how it's phrased in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, which is the translation we almost always use in worship here. But I like the wording of the Common English Bible very much. Instead of, walk before me and be blameless, the Common English Bible says, walk with me and be trustworthy. God invites Abram into relationship, saying, walk with me and be trustworthy. As God continues speaking to Abram, God says, I will be your God. 
through our scriptures in this season, they tell of different covenants from different points in time. But something at the heart of all covenants between God and humanity is the same. I will be your God, says God. As this covenant is forged, God makes a two-part promise to Abraham. Part one, you will be the ancestor of countless descendants. And part two, I will give you land to call your own, a homeland. I mentioned last week that the covenant between God and Noah is the only unilateral covenant in the Bible. That normally any covenant requires something of both parties in the covenant. The way the lectionary calendar of scriptures for worship chooses the verses for today's reading, we hear about God's side of the covenant with Abraham. But the verses explaining what is required of Abraham are left out. That part comes in verse 9, where God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. As the passage continues on, God says, So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. I have nothing to say theologically about circumcision as part of a covenant between God and humanity. But since I'm talking about covenants being two-sided by nature, and since I talked last week about how God's covenant with Noah was a noteworthy exception, I didn't want to leave out the part of what God required of Abraham. Back to God's promises to Abraham. There are two parts to God's promises. First, God says you will be the ancestor of countless descendants. And second, I will give you land to call your own, a homeland. Now, there was no real evidence to suggest that this covenant was realistic. No visible foreshadowing of what was to come. In fact, God's promises here seem so unrealistic that Abraham's response is to laugh. Abraham laughs at God, laughs at the idea that what God is promising could be possible. Not only was there no evidence to suggest that God's promises were realistic, in fact, there were obvious obstacles to the possibility of a future where Abraham had countless descendants and a homeland set aside for him. Here are the obstacles. First, Abraham's wife, Sarah, had already proven to be barren, and the one son Abraham had was from his wife's servant. And second, God had already asked Abraham to leave home. God called Abraham to set out for an unknown place where neither Abraham nor the people had been before. Yet somehow, all of this was supposed to lead to a future where Abraham had countless descendants and a homeland for his people. The fulfillment of a promise is often invisible, sometimes almost unimaginable at the time that promise is made. And perhaps this is especially true when that promise is something God has in store for us. Paul wrote about this very topic when writing to the fledgling church in Rome. In the New Testament, to the, in the letter to the Romans, Paul writes about the story of God's covenant with Abraham 
Paul describes Abraham as hoping against hope. Paul writes, hoping against hope, Abraham believed that he would become the father of many nations, according to what was said. Actually, from Abraham's story, it's not entirely clear that Abraham did believe that, but Paul gives him credit. Isn't that how it is when we hope for something that seems unlikely? Hoping against hope. It isn't lost on Paul that God's promises to Abraham were unlikely ones. But Paul goes on to say, No distrust made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith, being fully convinced that God was able to do what God had promised. So Abraham trusted in God, was willing to gamble on the goodness and reliability of God's promises. God made promises to Abraham that seemed implausible to Abraham, enough to make Abraham laugh. Paul writes to a brand new Christian community in Rome, a church that is struggling, that is at odds with the world around them. The early Christians in Rome probably felt their own uncertainty about the future God would lead them into. And Paul reminds them that God fulfills God's promises, even when that seems implausible to us. And we ourselves live in uncertain times. It is difficult to imagine the future, and it can be difficult to be hopeful, whether about the state of the world, or the future of the Christian church, or about our own lives. In our prayers of confession in the season of Lent, we sometimes confess our pessimism, knowing that God does not call us to pessimism, but to possibilities. And yet our pessimism is real, so we confess this sign of wavering faith. It can be difficult to be hopeful, but hope is so important. Hope plays an enormous role in sustaining us personally and for me, faith is the cornerstone of hope. Believing that God envisions possibilities for us that are not yet visible to us, possibilities we might even find implausible, can bolster us when life is challenging. And this isn't just a personal thing. I believe that this is why faith communities have so often been instrumental in movements for social change. Because faith gives us reason to hope for something better, reason to imagine that possibilities that seem implausible can yet be realized. Abraham's life so took so many twists and turns on the way to the fulfillment of God's promises, and yet Abraham moved forward little by little. He took false steps and made wrong turns, but he trusted God and returned to God, and he just kept at it. He trusted that God's promises lay out before him. And God moved out ahead of Abraham with an expansive picture of what was possible. God says, I will be your God, and you will be my people. In this promise, lie the seeds of everything we can be and do as the body of Christ alive in the world today. God is always out ahead of us, calling us to move forward into the possibilities God can envision, whether we see them or not. And this is part of what it means to be in a covenant relationship with God. 
It means making the effort to see the possibilities God envisions. It means making the effort to join God where God is already at work. May we open our eyes to God's promises and possibilities. Amen.